Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The bitterness and wrath and anger and those things in verse 31, that is the, that is the response of the old man toward offenses. When somebody offends you, when somebody does something against you, they, they harm you in some way, that's the response of the old man, is to be bitter, to be full of wrath, to be angry. Um, the, the, and we'll talk about some of these things specifically. But that's the response of the old man. You know, the, we naturally come, remember that even in our, our fallen state, we are... At least we, we, we have the remnant of the image of God. Remember that when, when God created Adam and Eve, they were created in God's image. Now, you know, when you continue reading in the book of Genesis, when you get to, to chapter 5 and it describes their son Seth, it says that he was in, in Adam's image. Right? And that's because in the, in the meantime there, you had the fall of man and you had man sinning against God and, and taking on a sin nature so that man is not perfectly in the image of God like Adam and Eve were. And yet man still retains a, a remnant of that image, although it's corrupted. And so many of the, the, the things that are considered the best things in man really are the remnant of that image of God. Man, man is, is incredibly creative and, and inventive, and, and that's, that's a reflection of the creator God. Okay, And likewise, man, even in, in uh, their sinful state, has a, a very acute sense of justice. Right? You don't, you don't have to teach that to little children. They, you know, that's one of the things that, that little kids learn to say right away is, it's not fair. Right? It's not fair. I haven't been treated correctly. That's, that's really what they're saying. It's not fair. And that's a, a reflection of that sense of justice. Now the thing is that in our fallen state, we always tend to kind of bend justice in our favor. When we've done something against somebody else, well, that, you know, that wasn't quite so bad, but when they do something against us, they're going to pay, right? And, and we insist on justice for ourselves, but we don't, we don't worry as much about justice for somebody else, okay? And here the, the idea in these things that are, are mentioned in verse 31 is that when, when somebody is sinned against, when, when you've been sinned against, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can respond to that. But the natural way to respond is to say that that person needs to pay. And very often, we don't have any way to, to, 
to make that person pay. Most of the ways that somebody might sin against you, it's not necessarily the kind of thing where you could take them into court and, and you know, force them to pay that way through some kind of a legal judgment or, or something. And you don't really have any way to force them to pay, and so you find other ways to make them pay, right? And so you, you, you're going to make them pay by breaking off the relationship with them, by being bitter toward them, by being angry toward them, by having malice toward them. These things that are listed in verse 31, first of all, the, the bitterness. You know, it's, uh, that, that term bitterness, um, here it's used in, in the sense of a, you know, an attitude towards someone. But you know that the word bitter uh, also is a, a taste, right? Not, not usually a very good taste. And in fact, that's true in English. It's true with the, the Greek words as well. In fact, the, the Greek word there that's translated as bitterness uh, literally means poison. And, you know, there's often an association there between bitterness and poison. Most poisons um, are are very bitter. And in the the old days, you know, the the kings and royalty, they would have tasters. They would have food tasters that would taste their food before they would eat it to check for for poison. And it wasn't so much the idea that that the taster would die, but he would would look for those tastes that just seemed out of place. And often, often poisons have a very bitter taste. And there, it's no accident that you have that connection between those words. That's what, that's what bitterness is. When you're bitter towards something, somebody, it's something that, that poisons that, that relationship. And so he says, he, he lists bitterness there. Clamor. A, a clamor is, a, is an outcry. It, it would be when you go out and you, you are going to try and, try and get, you know, you, you have a problem with somebody, you dislike that person, but you're going to go out and try and get other people to dislike them as well. That kind of thing. And evil speaking. Now, the, the word there for evil speaking is literally blasphemy. Okay? And, and that word blasphemy, it, it means to, to speak against. All right. Now, normally when we use the term blasphemy, we're talking about somebody who's speaking against God. And here it's not talking so much about speaking against God as it is uh, about other people. And so the, the translators, rather than putting it as blasphemy, they, they put it there as evil speaking. And, you know, going out and, and spreading lies about somebody or sometimes even spreading truths about somebody. Uh, the the uh, book of Proverbs talks about how a, a friend covers a matter. They don't, they don't go and, and tell everybody every, every bad thing they know that, that somebody's done. Um, you know, sometimes there's a time where you don't have to go and, and tell everybody those things. And here, evil speaking there is, is listed as one of those things. And he says, to put all those things away from you with all malice. And, you know, these are things to be very careful about because, again, often when, when we participate in these things, we feel we're being just, right? So, so uh, we, you know, we convince ourselves that really what we're doing is just because look what that person did against me. And it becomes this, this corrupted sense of justice, which says I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that other pay, person pay. Maybe I'm going to make them pay by... Again, by going out and, and telling people bad things about them. Maybe I'm going to make them pay by being passive-aggressive toward them, where I don't, you know, don't uh, just directly confront them, but I'll you know, be working against them kind of in, in secret in the background. 
maybe I'm going to make them pay by not only, not only breaking off the relationship that I have with them, but going out and trying to destroy other relationships that they have with other people. And the, the old man always believes that he's perfectly just in these things. Okay, But you see how Paul contrasts that with what the, the attitude of the new man is. And so verse 32, the contrast, he says, put all those things away. Put away the, the malice. Malice is where you're going to seek someone else's hurt. You're going to seek their, their detriment, whether it be in a direct way or an indirect way. Paul says, put all those things away from you. And instead, he says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so that's just, just the opposite of that. You understand that if you're, you know, unless you're, you're a hermit out in the wilderness somewhere, if you're around people, people are going to offend you, right? Just like you're going to offend other people. Uh, you're going to sin against other people and they're going to sin against you. And if you go around all the time always seeking justice for everything somebody does against you, you're going to live a very unhappy life, okay? And that, you know, that's our, that's our natural inclination. And again, we, you know, justice, God is just, right? God is just, and God requires a payment to be made for, for every penalty. But we're going to see that, that verse 32 gives you, not, it not only instructs you to forgive, but it, it instructs you how you can forgive in the same way that God has forgiven. Paul here, his comments are primarily directed toward believers dealing with other believers. There's other verses that talk about how to, you know, how to deal with unbelievers. But here it's primarily believers dealing with other believers. That's why he says, be ye kind one to another. He's writing to these saints at Ephesus. He's, he's not writing to the unbelievers at Ephesus. He's writing to the saints at Ephesus. And he tells them to be kind one to another, uh, tenderhearted, and to forgive one another. All right, so, so primarily here we're talking about uh, believers dealing with other believers. And this issue of forgiveness, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding about forgiveness. And I, I remember uh, sitting in a Bible study one time, and, and there was a woman there who was describing some things that had happened in her life, and, and she said, I'm not really sure if I've forgiven that person or not. And, and just the way she said, I'm not sure if I've forgiven them. And to me, it always seemed like, well, if you've forgiven somebody, you know if you've forgiven them. You know, and, and it, it got me thinking about what, you know, what do people, what do people really mean when they talk about forgiveness? Um, I, I found that many people, when they talk about forgiveness, they think forgiveness means that they go on as if, as if the thing never happened. Or that forgiveness means that you're saying that, that what was done was okay, you know, you're, you're making it okay. Or they view forgiveness in all of these ways. Understand that forgiveness in God's word is a very, is a very technical thing. And in fact, uh, you know, lately, you, you, whether you've been aware of it or not, but you, you hear that word forgiveness being used in, in the news and things in a much more technical way that would be much closer to the way the Bible uses the word. And that's because you hear uh, 
frequently now about, about debt being forgiven, right? You, you hear that in the news? Um, some, some banks, rather than foreclosing on homes and things, they are forgiving large portions of the debt because it's better off for that bank to um, continue to, to at least have some interest in that property than to go through foreclosure and, and lose a lot more. And so it's actually beneficial to them to forgive that debt. They're not doing that, in most cases, out of the kindness of their hearts. They're doing that because of how it helps their bottom line. All right? But that, that's very much the way the Bible uses the word forgive is in the sense of canceling a debt. All right? Now, we don't always think of it in that way, but again, if we want to understand biblical forgiveness, that's, that's the way to look at forgiveness. Um, I, I want you to go to the Gospel of Luke. Go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Here's a, a parable that Christ tells that involves the, the forgiveness of a debt. And the, the context, um, maybe we ought to begin in verse 36. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 says, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now notice it says that he spake within himself. But that's no barrier to the Lord Jesus Christ understanding what he's thinking. And the Lord often demonstrated that he knew even the thoughts of people. And in verse 40, Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Now you see what the forgiveness is. It's not a forgiveness of a sin. Here it's a forgiveness of a debt. Right? There's these two debtors. One owes 500 pence. The other owes 50 pence. One has a large debt. One has a small debt. And it says that he forgave them both. He, he canceled their debt. He knew what the debt was, and he canceled the debt. And essentially what he does here in this forgiveness is that he is giving the one man 500 pence and the other man 50 pence. Right? If they owe it to him and he cancels the debt, he's making that gift to them, uh, there's there's uh, a couple different different Greek words in your Bible that are translated as forgive. The one here in this passage has the idea of giving a gift. It's karizomai. It, it, it means to give a gift. It would be um, closely related to that word charis, which is grace in in the Bible. And uh, here he forgives them that debt. He writes off their debt. Uh, Simon answered. And said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Uh, he, remember, he asked him, Who's going to love him more? And Simon says, The one to whom he forgave most. 
He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. And so here he, he, in telling this story, demonstrates that when somebody has much to be forgiven of and they're forgiven, they're going to love all the more instead of the one who had little to be forgiven of. And Christ compares her with this, this Pharisee who didn't do all these things for him, but this woman who was a sinner, who was a known sinner that, that you know, apparently everybody there knows what kind of woman she is, and so much so that the, that the Pharisee is surprised that Christ even allows her to touch him. Um, she loves much because she was forgiven much, just like the man with the greater debt loved more than the one with the, the smaller debt. And so you see here that in, in the forgiveness, in the parable that Christ tells, there is an accounting that has to take place before the forgiveness can be given. Because if there's no accounting, you don't know what's being forgiven. And so here, you know, in the, in the parable, the two men, it was known what the two men owed. And there the, the creditor decides to forgive that amount, to forgive what is owed. With the woman here, when Christ says to her that her sins are forgiven, he knows what all of her sins are. He knows how she's disobeyed the law. He knows how she is worthy of judgment. And, and I'm sure Christ had his, in his mind there a specific amount. There was a specific degree of judgment that was due to that woman because of her sin. And Christ forgives her sins. Now, understand that the Lord Jesus Christ could forgive people's sins in a way that you and I cannot forgive sins. Now, any sin that is committed, um, you know, there's, there's some sins that are committed directly against God. Uh, some of the things we talked about when we talked about corrupt communication, you, you know, blasphemy, that, that kind of thing, is a sin directly against God. Uh, worshiping false gods would be a sin directly against God. There's no other victim in it except for God himself. In fact, when, when God gave the Ten Commandments, remember the Ten Commandments, they weren't all written, written out on one table of stone. They were written on two tables of stone. And there's two tables because you have two kinds of commandments. The first commandments were sins directly against God. They, they spelled out man's duty toward God. Man's duty not to worship other gods, not to take the Lord's name in vain. Um, for Israel, they had that, that duty to keep the Sabbath, which was a part of the covenant that God had made with them. Um, you know, those, those kinds of things were, were the first table of the law, man's duty toward God. The second table of the law was man's duty toward man, not stealing, not killing, not bearing false witness, those, those kinds of things where you're sinning against another person. Now, understand that when you sin against another person, you're also sinning against God. So, so God, you, any sin is a sin against God. And some sins are sins against other people. You cannot stand in the place of God and forgive people for what they've sinned against God. 
Christ could. The Lord Jesus Christ could because he was God in human flesh. And that's what they're marveling at. If, if this woman had sinned against Christ in some way, and he said to her, I forgive you for what you just did, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had a second thought about that. That, you know, a person can do that. You can forgive someone for how they sinned against you. But here's a woman who's never done anything against Christ. And he says that her sins are forgiven. And what he's really doing is he's expressing on on the behalf of God the Father forgiveness toward this woman. And that's why they ask the question. They say, who is this that forgiveth sins also? They, They... you know, marvel that he would dare really to stand in the, in the place of God and tell her that her sins are forgiven. And so understand that Christ can forgive in a way that you and I can't forgive. You cannot forgive somebody for something they did to somebody else or something they owe to someone else. If they don't owe you, you don't have anything to forgive them for. And, and you can't, again, you can't forgive somebody for sins they've committed against God. You can only forgive people for sins they've committed against you. And, and oftentimes when, when people talk about this issue of forgiveness and they don't know whether they've forgiven somebody or not, oftentimes the things that you might be upset with somebody about, you might not even be the proper one to forgive them. There may not even be anything that you need to forgive them for if they didn't sin against you. Um, if they sinned against somebody else, sinned against some friend of yours, and you're upset with them because of that, it's not your place to forgive them. You don't have anything to forgive. They didn't do anything against you, right? You can only forgive for what's been, been done against you. And um, so the, the issue here is that there is this, this accounting that takes place before the forgiveness can be offered. And that is very often why people don't understand forgiveness or they wonder whether they've truly forgiven somebody or or whatever. Before you can forgive somebody, you have to figure out what is it that they justly owe to you. And, you know, in some cases you can can, uh, go back to the, the part of God's word that deals with justice and demonstrates God's justice. To, to understand what is really owed. And, of course, where you, where you find the justice of God is in the law. You know, the law is a very, very just system. And when it comes to, let's say, for instance, that, that uh, somebody stole something under the law. The penalty was, in most cases, that they paid double restitution. That was, that was the penalty. Okay. And, you know, if you're thinking about forgiveness, if somebody has stolen something from you and, and you're wondering what, you know, what it is they owe to you, if somebody's stolen something from you, there you can look in the law and see what the just penalty is and, and really what they owe to you by right is double the value of whatever they stole. They, what they owe to you is to give back what they stole plus its, its value again. Now, sometimes it's not quite so easy, right? If, it, if it's been some sort of a, a, a personal offense, not a, not a direct sin like that, or not something that involves property or, or something like that, it can, be, it can be harder. And, of course, you always have to be careful because, again, your, your nature is to try and skew justice in your favor and to think that somebody owes you more than what they really owe you. All right? And you, gotta be, you have to be very careful about that. But if you can't determine what somebody owes to you because of their offense, you really have no way to, to forgive them, okay? Because you don't know what you're forgiving. You don't know what, what it is that they, that they owe to you. And, you know, maybe what you consider they owe to you is an apology. Maybe what you consider they owe to you is, is something else. But 
Forgiveness, then, is after you've determined what it is that person owes, forgiveness is to say, I'm not going to require them to pay that. I'm not going to allow that to affect my, my relationship with that person. I'm not going to approach that person anymore as them owing me something. I'm just going to treat it as if, as if they've actually given me the thing that they owed me. Right? That's what forgiveness is. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, forgiveness does not mean that it's as if the offense never happened. Right? If somebody steals from you and... And, they, and by right, they ought to pay you back and pay you that restitution. And you decide to forgive that. You decide to forgive that debt. It, it doesn't go back to as if it never happened. Right? You're gonna, it is going to affect how you deal with that person in some ways. Right? If, you have an, if you're a, a, an employer and you have an employee that is stolen from you, you may, you may forgive it and allow them to keep their job, but it's probably going to affect what what duties you give to that person in the future, right? Just out of, just out of prudence sake. Um, and so forgiveness is not as if the thing never happened. Um, and that's why some people want, you know, they'll wonder, did I really forgive? Because they'll, they'll think, well, maybe I've forgiven the person, but I still, I still don't trust them fully or, or whatever. But those, those things don't confuse that with forgiveness. Forgiveness is you determine what the debt is and you choose not to require them to pay the debt. That's what, that's what the forgiveness is. Now, um, if you go back to our text, go, go back to Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, um, you have a way, as a believer in Christ, to forgive even beyond what we've talked about so far, even beyond just figuring what the, the rightful debt is and, and canceling the debt. Here it says that you can forgive and that we ought to forgive one another as fellow believers, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, how did, how did God forgive us? It says he did it for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. God forgave us because not, not just, he didn't just cancel the debt, he actually paid the debt in the person of Christ, right? We, we are forgiven, we don't have to pay the debt, but it's because Christ paid the debt on our behalf in his, in his death. And so God, that's how God has forgiven us. Now, when you look at a fellow believer, understand you're looking at somebody who God has declared righteous who God has said all of their sins are paid for. Now, if, if God says that their sins are forgiven, if, if Christ's death was enough to, to pay for all of their sins so that God, who is the embodiment of justice and righteousness and holiness, can call that person righteous, how can I, as a fellow believer, hold some, some grudge against that person because of their sin or, or uh, you know, try and hold their sin against them. If God himself, who is much more righteous and holy and just than I am, if God has said he's satisfied in Christ that that person's sins are covered, who am I to demand that, that justice be served and that they pay me, right? Uh, and, and so 
the, the believer has more of a basis to forgive than just, again, just you know, figuring up that debt and, and canceling the debt. But when you're dealing with a, another believer, understand Christ died for that person. Christ already died for all of that person's sins. And if that is enough for God, then oughtn't it be enough for me in dealing with that person? That the two of us are both in Christ? That Now again, it's going to be different for an unbeliever. Right? It's going to be different, and, and there's other verses that, that would talk about the unbeliever, but we're in this passage that's talking about fellow believers. And can't I deal with that fellow believer if God's willing to look at them as righteous? Can't I choose to, to look at them in that way as well? Now understand that when you are the offending party, no one owes you forgiveness, and you should never demand forgiveness from someone. Forgiveness is not something that can be demanded. If you are the offending party, if you're the one in the wrong, you ought to be trying to make it right, not just relying on somebody else to forgive you. But when somebody else is the offending party and you're the victim and you're the offended, Paul says here, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.